my dear fellow sons and daughters of the King of the world, Jesus, grace and peace belong to you because of our risen Savior. Question for you today, what does Jesus want for your life? I asked that question to 37 young kids yesterday. They're not kids, but they were the confirmation students, the eighth grade confirmands. I asked them, what does Jesus want for your life? Because it's a big day. It's a big day when you get confirmed or when you graduate from a school, when you get a new job. On big days that that seem like a new chapter in life, on those days often people think, what does my life hold from here on out? And a couple things come to mind, right? What do you want for your life? Maybe success. You want to be good in school, good at work, get a nice job that pays you a decent salary. Success is what people want in life. Or uh, I want to be a good person. I want to be one of the good ones. So I, uh, I, I'm an active citizen. I'm a helpful neighbor. I want to I wanna stay out of jail, if that's a possible for me. Uh, I want to be a good person. Of course, I'm a pastor, and you guys are all church people for the most part, so we would include, we want to be church active. We want to be church people who are active around here, ushering and serving and helping out with boards and committees. If you just glance through the back of the bulletin, you'll see like a million announcements. Each one of those requires people from our church to be active. You guys are very good at this. You say, I want to be active in church. But the question today is not so much, do you want to be successful or active or uh, a good person? The question is, what does Jesus want for your life? Whatever stage of life you're at, what does Jesus want for you? And it turns out, from the gospel reading that Pastor Preview just read, it turns out there's something Jesus wants more than he wants you to be successful. And there's something he wants more than he wants for you to be on your best behavior. And there's something he wants even more than for you to be here in church. Here's what we find out in John chapter 20. Jesus wants you to believe in him. Jesus wants you to believe in him. And you do. After the sermon today, we're going to say the Apostles' Creed, right? I believe in God the Father. I believe in God the Son. I believe in God the Holy Spirit. You do believe in Jesus, and we celebrate that. We celebrated it with the confirmation students yesterday. That's why we gave them big hugs and gave them roses and everything. And we celebrate it with you. I am so grateful that God has worked in your heart, faith in Jesus. But you know this. It's hard It's hard to believe in Jesus all the time. I mean, I I quote this stat, I feel like every year, and it's a depressing one, but it's true that of of all the people who have been confirmed in Lutheran churches over the years, about one half trust in Jesus for the rest of their life. And the other half, at one point or another, they wander away from believing in Jesus. It's hard. It's hard to trust believe in Jesus on bad days. And it can be hard emotionally, like in your heart. So when you see a terrible thing happen in the world and life is beating up on your emotions, it's hard to keep the faith in Jesus. So you see Russia invade Ukraine and you see the news reports of all the terrible things. It's hard to put your trust in Jesus in those moments. 
or a, a virus comes into our world and it seems to turn everything upside down for a long time, it's hard to have faith in Jesus during those low moments. Maybe it's not that extreme for you. Maybe it's just you have a really bad Tuesday and when you get home, you're spent. It's hard to put your faith in Jesus at those moments. What is it for you? What is it that wears you out emotionally? Is it when your marriage gets crazy or when you're desperately wishing that you'd have a marriage? Is it when the kids are acting up? Is it when you're not sure what the next chapter of your life holds? There's things that wear us out emotionally and when that happens to us, you need to know you're not alone. Because that's exactly how Jesus' disciples felt. On Easter of all days, Easter morning gets all the attention, right? We, last week we celebrated Jesus rose from the dead and the angel said, he is risen, he's not here. And the disciples should be overjoyed, right? The, the women saw Jesus and they told the disciples, you're supposed to go up north to Galilee. There Jesus is going to meet with you. But the disciples were scared. They didn't go up north to Galilee. They went south to Jerusalem and locked themselves in a room because they were emotionally spent. They were afraid that what bad guys captured Jesus and hurt him, what if bad guys capture us and hurt us? You know what Jesus was doing at that moment? He was sitting on a hill in Galilee saying, I thought I told, no, of course not. That's not your savior. Jesus came to visit them. He appeared in that locked room and he showed them his hands. Look what I've done for you. And the first word out of his mouth was not, I thought I told you. The first word out of his mouth was peace. I know your hearts are like a tornado right now. There's like a million things going on in your soul right now. But for a moment, just peace to you because I'm here and I love you. Peace to you. Jesus wanted those disciples to believe in him and so their life would be filled with peace. That's what he wants for you too. Some people, they have a hard time trusting Jesus, not because of their heart or their emotion, because of their brain. Intellectually, sometimes it's hard to, to trust Jesus because there are smart people, smarter than me, on the internet and at universities who can cast doubt on what the Bible says. And there's articles and books that you can read that, that dispute some of the claims in the Bible. And intellectually, it can be hard to stick with Jesus. When you have doubts about if Jesus is real, if what he said is true, you need to know you're not alone. Because one of Jesus' disciples felt exactly that same way. Thomas. Remember the nickname we have for Thomas? Doubting Thomas. I don't like that nickname, but that's what people call him. Doubting Thomas on that, that first Easter, he wasn't in that room with the disciples. And so he didn't see Jesus. And he refused to believe. No matter how hard the disciples tried, they said, we've seen the Lord. We saw him with our own two eyes. And he just wouldn't believe it. You can almost picture him with his arms crossed. I will not believe, not unless I get to put my finger right in the hole. I won't believe it. What did Jesus do? Jesus is, Thomas, how dare you? No, of course not. That's not your Savior. Jesus went to him. 
And he appeared right to Thomas, and the first words out of his mouth are not, Thomas, how dare you? The first word out of Jesus' mouth was peace. I'm real. I'm here. And I'm back from the dead. So, Thomas, wasn't there something you wanted to do with that finger of yours? And the Bible doesn't actually record that Thomas stuck his finger in the hole. It doesn't say that. It just says he believed. Jesus wanted Thomas to believe in him and to have the peace of knowing that Jesus is right, no matter what else seems to make sense. That's what Jesus wants for your life. He wants it to be filled with the calm and the peace of knowing him. In your life, there's going to be days when you feel like those disciples trapped in, the upper, in that room, locked in that room, scared and emotionally spent. And there's going to be times when you feel like Thomas and you're not sure about some of the things Jesus said and did. There's going to be days like that for all Christians. So here's what you do. You imagine that Jesus could appear to you. I mean, Jesus is here. He is in the room. We just can't see him. But imagine you could. You know what he would do, right? You know your Savior. He's not going to be sitting there, how dare you doubt me? No, you know what your Savior would do if he could appear to you. He would show you his hands and say, you think I don't love you? Look what I've done. I love you enough to give up my very life for you. You doubt that I tell the truth? You doubt that my word is true? I predicted my death and my resurrection, and it happened exactly like I said. If I can keep that promise, I can keep every single promise. So trust me, Jesus wants you to believe in him and so to have a life that's filled with the peace that only he can give. The trouble is, he's never appeared to me. Right? I, there's never been a situation where light from the sun bounced off Jesus' physical body and into my eyeballs and my retinas perceived Jesus with my eyes. I've never seen Jesus that way. My guess is you haven't either. We don't get to see Jesus with our eyes, not yet. But Jesus has given us something else. He's given us eyewitness testimony that he's real. That's what the Bible is. This is my Bible from when I was a little guy. And it is filled with eyewitness accounts of what God can do, of Jesus risen from the dead. He appeared to the eyes of Thomas and the disciples, and they wrote down, the Holy Spirit gave them the words to write down the account. If I submitted this in court as eyewitness testimony, that's the testimony that people accept in courts of law. And that's the testimony that God has given to you. In fact... When Thomas was talking to Jesus, he said, You have seen me. Because you have seen me, you have believed. But blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus says, Blessed are you if you take the eyewitness testimony to heart and you believe based on this. That's what the Bible's for. It's so that you can believe. And I do mean you specifically. You individually, the Bible is written for you. This is awesome. God, God's mind is so brilliant that even though, of course, the Bible is written for all people of all times, as he's inspiring John to write down this story, as he's doing that, he, he has you in mind. He has every single individual person in mind. And so in the front of my childhood Bible here, 
I've rewritten John chapter 20, verse 31, with my name in it. This is what it says on the inside cover of my Bible. It says, these words, these are written so that Nate may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, Nate may have life in his name. You could put your name in your Bible because that's what the Bible says. You could do something like this, right? Dear Brenda, dear Lucy, dear Ethan, dear Aiden, these Bible stories are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and so that you will have a life lived in his name. That's what this book is for, and that's what Jesus did for those disciples. You know those disciples scared in a room, they're locked like little kids, afraid? After they saw Jesus, you know what happened to them? They became the world's greatest mission force. And they, they were missionaries in Jerusalem, in their own neighborhoods, and all over the world. They had good days, and they had bad days. And when I say bad days, I don't mean they were overloaded with too busy schedules. I mean they were thrown in jail and their heads were chopped off. They had good days and bad days. What got them through it? It was the witness that they had of Jesus. These words brought them the peace that only Jesus can bring. And Thomas, too. Thomas became a missionary. He went to the country of India. That's why I don't like to call him Doubting Thomas. I like to call him Missionary Thomas. And Thomas, when he was in India, he had days when he believed firmly everything he'd ever learned from Jesus, and there were days that he doubted it. What got him through? It was his eyewitness testimony, the words about Jesus. They made him believe. That's what Jesus wants for your life, too. When Jesus had given all the life that he had planned on earth for those disciples, then he extended their life so that they could live forever in heaven with him. They had life in his name. And that's what Jesus wants for you and me too. Jesus wants you to believe in him. You know, that's why our witness marches victorious over restraint. No matter what bad days you have, no matter what doubts you have, take them to Jesus. Take them to your Bible because these words are written so that you can overcome those things. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to read one more time, John chapter 20, verses 19 through 31. And at the end, I'm going to ask you to help me read that section about you. So please stand as we read. On the evening of that first day of the week when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, was one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my fingers where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, the disciples were together in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. 
Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. Here's the part we're going to read together. And I want, instead of the word you, I want you to put your name in there. It'll sound crazy in the building, but it's for you. Let's read together. But these are written so that Nate believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, Nate may have life in his name. Sons and daughters of the King, Christ is arisen. He is risen Alleluia. Amen. Hey, thank you so much for spending some time with us and worshiping with us online today. We are so glad you fed your faith through the work of Mount Olive, and we'd love to know that you fed your faith. So head on over to mountoliveappleton.com and click the online friendship register, or just click the link in the description here. It takes about one minute to fill out. Thanks so much for spending time with us. God's blessings on your day.